Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Today's show, I am at the home of Fawn Collette. She is gifted in prophetic poetry. We will hear about her life, sometimes in poetry, sometimes with words. She was also known as the Dog Whisperer. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. This is the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James. I am down in Vero Beach with Fawn. Fawn, thank you for letting me in your house and telling me your stories. Well, thank you for having me, Kevin. Yes, and let me having you in your house. <laughs> it's always a fun thing when I do that. I love these kind of things. So, so Fawn, we're going to talk about some of your stories of your, going through your life. Um, let's start off at the very beginning, and um, we'll, we'll work our way up. We might do multi-podcasts, but we'll see what happens. So let's start at the beginning of your life. Well, let's start towards the end of my life. I'm 74. Okay. okay. And... Um, I'm just getting to be a part of the millennial. Ah, yeah, <laughs> so that's right. appreciate your show. Yeah. But, I thank you very much for, for letting me interview you. <laughs> I, I'm from the generation I love stories, and that's why I came up with the Millennium Beat, encouraging the world one story at a time. And uh, so we're going to encourage the world today with your stories. So, Well, there's an old song that says, I love to tell the story okay. of Jesus and his love. And that's what my life is all about. When I was very young, um, I had a what they call a prophetic gift uh, in rhyme. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really a gift. It was not anything I conjured up or learned. Right. It was something that was given to me by the Holy Spirit. Um, but I had a very unusual childhood. I... Uh, Grew up in a neighborhood called Dogtown. Okay. And now what state was that in? <laughs> and that was in Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Okay. St. Louis. St. Louis. And uh, actually it was a, a neighborhood where miners actually gave that name, hmm. Dogtown. Uh, and then there was a, a Bulldog Dogtown ball team hmm. that became famous. And so Dogtown uh, really got on the map. <laughs> Okay. Uh, back, I believe, in 1930s or so. Way before I was born. Yes. Um, so I grew up in a neighborhood where it literally was a dog town. We uh, were in the city, but we were surrounded by the evidence of country of old. Okay. The old country. And with many, many different flavors as far as people. The Irish, the uh, Italians, uh, you just had so many different people that have come from the old country. And we all enjoyed the being neighbors right. <laughs> and getting to... to um, have share meals together and getting to know each other from house to ha house and home to home. If anybody in the neighborhood needed uh, anything, right. all the neighbors came together. Mm -hmm. And we had things like um, Ted the Milkman <laughs> and Jerry the Mailman. Okay. And uh, Jerry always told the kids that he had a ring-tailed monkey in the back of his mail pouch. Uh, we had some really fun times. We lived on Ripple Street, 
which was a very steep hill. So we did a lot of sleigh rides. Oh, I can imagine. uh, A lot of fun things that I can pull back out of my memory. But one of the things that was so fun to me is that I loved animals. I loved dogs. Right. And I would be actually have a pack of dogs from all over, from probably four, 12 blocks away, would come every morning and gather in my front yard and walk me to school. Oh, wow. And this is when the dog catchers were just starting to, uh, you know, come around and starting to corral the dogs. So I trained these dogs. There was at least, at least uh, seven to eight dogs that would meet me every morning. And I would train them to stay at the corner uh, a block from school so that they wouldn't get caught by the blood, by the, by the uh, dog, dog catcher. Right. So, um, which was quite an amazing feat because now, I was only about 10 years old. 10 year. Now, did they stay there all day waiting for you until you came back? No, the amazing thing is that they left, but they always were standing at that yard that I'd leave them in at 3.15 in the afternoon. When so it sounds like out. they were there when you left to go into the, go to school. They went and went did something. That's right. And then they know, okay, it's three o'clock. We're going to go back. And they <laughs> go back. Somehow they're, they're in her clock. They knew. Knew that it was time for me to get off of school. And they I think the animals home. are smart like that. I know my cat knows when I'm working <laughs> and I come home at 11 o'clock, 1130 on Friday night. Mm-hmm. It's right there waiting for me. They know. They know. It says, okay, it's time to come home. And it's so interesting because God created this world. Right. Uh, He created us for his pleasure. Right. He wanted a family, but he created this world for our pleasure. Right. And told us to take dominion. And it's so interesting to see that animals will respond in such a forgiving way. Oh, yeah. To to the dominion that we have naturally. Right. So even as a child, uh, I had a little dog named Champ. Champ. And... Every day, he'd walk with me. Uh, We'd walk several blocks up to the corner of the fruit stand. And I'd tell him to stay. And then I'd leave on a Saturday, particularly, Mm -hmm. uh, when I had mills instead of pennies to go to the five and 10 cent store. Explain to me, it's before my generation. What is a mill? I never heard of that. Well, a mill was, uh, there were 10 mills that equaled a penny. Oh, wow. So, so these were used during the Great Depression. Right, yeah. And, and kind of an overflow of that. But I remember having those mills. So there was a bakery across the street from the, um, from the fruit stand. Mm-hmm. And then there was a five and ten cent store where we'd go in and use a couple mills and, and buy some candy. And then we'd go down to the corner drugstore and we'd spend 25 cents on a milkshake Wow! Uh, that they made right up at the little ice cream bar. So <laughs> we had more freedom as a child than most freedom, most children would ever know right. now in this day and age. Uh, we grew up 12 blocks from the St. Forest Park uh, Zoo and from Forest Park. So there were many, many places to go there was the art museum Mm -hmm. there was the museum of history 
There was the um, Planetarium. Okay. Um, there was Missouri Stables, where horses were used and trained for the police, the mounted police. Uh, we actually lived in a home that uh, some of the wood from the old World Fair oh. in St. Louis was used for our in our home. Wow. So, <laughs> so it dates me a little bit. And- it's, it's amazing though it's like i don't know why the, our generation or this generation now doesn't really care about history right and they don't and it's i mean it's like that mills thing i mean i never heard of that and i bet i was born in the early 60s and um that was before my time i mean you know it's it, it's a history that's being lost because it's not like doc, you know doing this kind of stuff and and i think i was meant to do this because i did this interview with my mother i think a year or so before she died and telling you know what should we say to her grandchildren and her life and as much as she could remember it. Unfortunately, the older we get, sometimes we start forgetting things. Right. So we got to get <laughs> that thing out before, you know. Um, well, sometimes I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can. <laughs> hey, but- <laughs> I'm not even old yet, as far as I'm concerned. And I sometimes like, did I do that? Did I? You know, like coming here, I forgot to bring my luggage with me. I brought all my computer equipment, camera, you know, whatever I needed. But I left my my suitcase. Luckily, I'm only over only overnight, so I went to the Walmart before I got here and <laughs> bought some toothpaste and stuff. And you know, it's like because I forgot it. Well, we had a really uh, amazing childhood. Uh, I grew up in a home. I was the oldest of three girls, and um, back in those days, we were allowed to uh, play outside. And we were encouraged to be outside. We wanted to be outside. Right. We rode our bikes, uh, and there didn't seem to be any limit, really, as to how far we could go. In the summertime, when we were off, you know, for three months during the summer, we would go up to the Forest Park Highlands. We would go across to the zoo. We would go to the Colored Fountain. Um, The Muni Opera was over there. We would go all over Forest Park. Um, the arena was there and the arena was a very famous mm. place for, uh, shows and for, uh, rodeos and all wow. kinds of activities. Well, you didn't have a lot of activities like they do today. How kids are home playing video games. And- so basically all we had to do was be home when the, it started to get dark. Yeah. The old uh, saying is when the street lights turn on, you have to right. go home. That's right. And the street lights would come on, and we'd be home, and and dinner would be ready for us. So oh, wow. uh, we had a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom, and we learned a lot through that. The amazing thing is, it was relatively safe, right? Back in those days. Uh, now th- th- it's very limited. But I, uh, getting back to the dogs. I had a little dog named Champ. He was part uh, beagle and part German shepherd. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he looked like a German shepherd with floppy ears. Uh, <laughs> and he wasn't that big, I'm sure. No. Because beagles aren't that Medium big. size, but he was absolutely the joy of my life. And I entered him into a uh, Oakland playground dog show, and I won first place. I got uh, my first blue ribbon. So I've always had a way with the animals. Uh, I shouldn't say this, but my dad loved 
uh, nature, and he would always teach us uh, about nature. And we had a neighborhood dog named Tex, and Honey Gal was Uncle Jim's dog. And he wasn't our uncle. We just right. called him Uncle Jim. But uh, <laughs> the, the dogs would all show up in our yard, and, and Dad would say, sit down, girls. Here comes the coldest nose in town. <laughs> but, but the animals were just a joy to me. Right. And my whole life was uh, kind of encircled around those uh, my participation with the animals and learning about them. I was the only girl in grade school, all the way through grade school, until eighth grade, which was really wow. unusual. Yeah. Uh, at a school called Gratiot, <laughs> Gratiot School. And uh, the boys that were in the school, um, the whole classroom, uh, were, we were right at the bottom of what they called uh, the Italian Hill, okay? Uh, so our neighborhood was positioned right at the bottom of that hill, and so there were a lot of uh, Syrians and a lot of Italians, and sadly, there was uh, a lot of gang activity, okay? So it really wouldn't have been safe, except that they, since I was the only girl, they protected me from everybody. <laughs> and so I was like, I was a mascot or something, but right. I was very protected from all of the things that could have happened. And so it was um, an unusual thing, but it was a very lonely time for, for a little girl to grow up in a neighborhood where half of the guys wound up in the state penitentiary uh, and the other half were shot and killed in East St. Louis. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of scenario. It wow. wasn't it wasn't a very good environment. And yet I thrived. Yep. So um You made it through the rain. <laughs> so in third grade, um, our teacher taught us about poetry. Mm. Oh. And uh and a little bit about uh writing. Okay. Creative writing. So the first story that I wrote was about the person that I admired the most, and that was Jesus. Oh. Now, the funny thing is that uh, as a little girl, I remember dancing and twirling before Jesus, loving him with all my heart. I didn't know anything about religion, mm -hmm. but I had a relationship, and it was a supernatural relationship. I knew that Jesus loved me. I went to a Sunday school. You know, uh, I learned some things. Right. But my relationship was much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a, a little theme on uh, the person that I admire the most. And when I learned poetry for the first time, I wrote a little poem about Jesus, about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I remember that so well. And it... And it uh, really started to define my life. Okay. Um, and it goes, I say I remember it well, and I, <laughs> I just had, I'm my mind freeze. just went blank. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, I might have to get back to that. Yeah, if you come back. up with that, that's fine. We'll do it. 
Yeah. We'll add it in. Okay. <laughs> hey, things happen. All right. So going from there. So now you're you're starting in poetry. You're writing things. Let me ask you this question is, because I don't think you said it, is, were you brought up in a religious or a Christian or a Catholic home or was it all non-secular it, stuff? It was uh, congregational. Congregational. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the, that, I mean, when you say that, what does that mean? Uh, it was congregational church, denominational. No, no, I mean your personal family, your, your parents. My mom your, was Baptist. Okay, there we go. And had that Baptist background, but okay. we didn't have Baptist church close to us, so the congregational then you went there. Okay. church was right there. What about your dad? Um, I think that he kind of gravitated to the Baptist, okay. you know, but he he loved God and he loved poetry, wow. but he wasn't really a, a religious person, so to speak. Right. Okay. Okay. But now, so now this came back to me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell uh, it to you. While, I, while you remember, go ahead. The Lord made the people and the animals too, and the Lord made me, just as he made you. He sent a son down from heaven above to teach us about him, to teach us of love. He died on the cross to save us from sin. Then let us live freely, both women and men. So this I tell you how the world did begin. All because of the Lord and a son helping him. <laughs> wow. And so my teacher wrote a note back to my mom uh, that week. And she gave me an F because she said it was so good I had to have copied it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, <laughs> and how old again were you at that time? I was, well, I was in third grade. Third grade. So I, I don't remember how old you are in third grade. I was probably around eight. Eight or nine, yeah, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but what was interesting to me is this is how the world did begin, all because of the Lord and his son helping him. Now that, I believe, was prophetic. I don't right. believe anyone taught me that. Right. You know, but that's kind of what God did with me. He would... Um, he would write things in my heart. Right. So uh, my family was very musical. Now, because I was the only girl all the way through school, I was very lonely. The older girls, all they could think about were the boys, and they didn't want me in their little groups. The younger girls were too young to really play with. So I was very isolated. So I spent a lot of time reading comic books <laughs> and, and playing with the animals. Uh, I was embarrassed about being a girl, and I was like a tomboy. I was very, very happy uh, if I was walking down a creek bed or if I was looking under a rock or oh, yeah. looking, catching a snake or uh, <laughs> catching tadpoles or... You know, I was so interested in nature, and I loved camps. So every year of my life, for as long as I can remember from the time I was, you know, um, probably eight or ten, I wound up in camps every summer. Okay. And so uh, I acquired lots and lots and lots, hundreds of nonsensical little camp songs. Okay, and... I had a banjo. I had a ukulele, rather. My father got me a ukulele. 
and my sisters and I, my father would be would sing in, in the evening after, after dinner. We sang as a family, so, and we were good. Uh, so good that Stan Can Amateur Hour wanted us to actually be on television. Oh, wow. But my father didn't want his girls in show business. Uh, he wanted to protect us from that. So, but we had more fun and family times singing together. Right. Uh, and we didn't have time to talk about each other. <laughs> yeah. So music really became uh, a wonderful mm -hmm. uh, therapeutic Period of time. Yeah. time. Question is now, do you remember any of those songs? Oh, yes. Well, oh, yes. Well, let's hear one of them. Can you? I know you don't, have to, you don't have to sing it if you want. No. Just, yeah. <laughs> you can actually just like like a poem type of thing. Well, um, my father and my sisters and I would sing a cappella. Okay. A song called Hear Our Prayer, O Lord, uh, incline thine ear to us and grant to us thy peace. Um, but we sang a lot of... <laughs> Uh, songs. The dad grew up uh, in Arkansas, right? And so he had a lot of hill songs, a lot of folk songs. So we sang uh, a lot of those kind of songs and country songs. So we had a great, great time. Now, any of those been recorded uh, of any sort? I do. I have recordings of, it. of some of us. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we we had fun with that, but the. The thing that I wanted to emphasize is that without the social interaction of other young people, right. uh, I was very isolated and I was very lonely. And I had a tremendous imagination. And I believe we're made in God's image and made in his likeness. Mm -hmm. And that that creativity that he has, he's placed on the inside of us. Right. And he's given us an imagination. So every child, you know, that gets stifled as they grow. But uh, I believed, <laughs> I was a believer. I believed in Santa until I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, every once in a while, I still believe in him <laughs> as St. Nicholas yeah. and his uh, goodwill. Uh, to the poor, but lots of life lessons right. happened to me. The thing that I want to bypass now is from that childhood uh -huh. uh, when I was uh, 18 years old, uh, I fell in love, actually 17, um, with a young man, and he... Uh, he and I actually weren't together very much at all. Uh, and then I went as a governess uh, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts for three children uh. Uh, right upon graduation of high school. Now, what city on Cape? Uh, Osterville, in a little town called Osterville. I think that's where my sister used to stay. Is that right? Yep. So anyhow, I uh, came home three months later. And we ran off and eloped <laughs> and got married because he was 18 and I was 18. But back then, he had to have his mother's permission until he was 21 years old. Oh, wow. 
to get married in Missouri. So we ran off to Illinois and eloped with my best girlfriend and her husband. I mean, and her fiance. Oh. So we all four got married by a drunk justice of peace. <laughs> And he's St. Louis. Drunk. Uh, who made a pass at me on our wedding night. <laughs> so quite quite an interesting uh, yeah, start. I guess so. We were married three and a half months, and he wrote me a letter and said he was too young for marriage, and he was going home to his mom. Two weeks later, my wedding band pulled my finger off. I was coaching some basketball, jumped over a seven-foot cyclone fence, caught the ring on the top prong, and uh, so you might say I gave the devil my finger. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I'm believing for the miracles of restoration and hoping that I get that finger back with a signet ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I had a lot of heartache. So right. um, I went away to college um, for about two years. And I worked from 8 o'clock at night to 8 o'clock in the morning. I carried 17 and a half hours at school. I majored in physical education. I minored in child psychology. And uh, I worked as a waitress at a little steakhouse called, um, it was called the Steakhouse. And Bruce Bobbitt owned it in Cape Cod, Missouri, Cape Girardeau. Not Cape Cod, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. SEMO, it was called Southeast Missouri State College. So I went there for a short time, but I couldn't make it financially. Right. Um, He had been drafted, and uh, that was back when the draft was. Right. He was drafted, so we were actually married five years, but we were only together three and a half months. Wow. So um, when he came home from the service... Um, he met me at the courthouse and he said, I'm sorry for what happened. He said, but I'm still too young to be married. And, uh, how old was he? He was, well, um, we were 18 when we were married. So then he was what 23. Mm -hmm. So at 24, I married the father of my children. Um, we were married a year, and then we had our first son. And then four years later, my daughter. Uh, we were married 17 and a half years. Okay. All together. And that was a very, very um, sad time in my life. Um, there was, he, he was uh, a wonderful father to his children. He loved his children. Very, very much. He also loved women. <laughs> and I I don't want to tell his story, but I can tell you this, that uh, one day God spoke to my heart and he said, you will never stand before me accountable for how he lives his life. Right. He will stand before me someday. But he said, you will be accountable for the choices that you make and how you live. Right. your life. And I've called you to walk in love. So I began a quest to understand love. And one day I, you know, I had actually caught him with 
another woman, and uh, and that happened frequently. And I was so heartbroken, and I actually made a long list of all the wonderful things that I had done for him. I baked him a cake. Uh, I had cleaned the house. I was faithful as a wife. I was right. faithful. Was, I was a good mother to the children, or to my son. Uh, and I looked so good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> Of, of all these wonderful things that I had done. And then on the other side of that paper, these were all the things that I had caught him doing. And he didn't look very good on paper. No. And I sure thought that God was going to agree with me that, that he was a rascal and needed to be dealt with. And so I said, God, I love him so much, but he doesn't love me. And God spoke to me. Even though I wasn't into... Uh, religion, right? I heard him clearly, and he said, "So you love him? Uh, let's take a look at love." And I knew about the love chapter in Corinthians. Okay, so I went to that chapter, and <laughs> the first thing I saw in that translation was, "Love never takes notes." <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, of course, love is always gentle. It's always kind. It never takes into account a wrong suffered. It never takes notes. It's never envious. It's never jealous. Uh, As a matter of fact, everything that love was, I wasn't. (laughs) And so instead of agreeing with me about his life, you know, the Holy Spirit really checked my heart. And I had tears streaming down my face. I'll never forget. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to love that way. Love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Right. And love never fails. I said, I don't know how to love that way, but I want to learn. Mm -hmm. So I'm trusting you to show me what love really is. And I'm not saying I arrived then. It was just the beginning of beginning to want to know who God really was. Because God is love. Mm -hmm. You know, he who knew no sin became our sin. Right. And it's amazing the journey that he took me on once I wanted to know him. And I wanted to know the truth. And, of course, the word says you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And he said that word know is uh, an interesting word in the Bible. It's used uh, when Adam knew Eve, when a man knew a woman, when they became one. And God wants that kind of intimacy with us, that we would become one with him, that we would be joined with him, that our hearts, uh, spirit, soul, and body would belong to him. So that (laughs) word, no, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, was much deeper than just a mental ascent. Right. But it was a, a beginning of a journey, a path, where I began to seek out what love really means. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stop there. <laughs> yeah, we can stop there for now. Um, and then we'll pick it up again on our next conversation. So, hey, everybody, you've been listening to the Millennium Beat. This is your host, Kevin James. 
I would like to thank Fawn for letting me in her house and telling us a little bit about her story and how she grew up. So thank you, Fawn, for uh, having me here. Thank you. All right, everybody else, we'll catch you guys next week. Same time, same channel. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beats podcast, encouraging the world one story at a time. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your stories, so send them to stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957. You may find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Please like and follow us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at www.themillenniumbeat.com where you'll find our last 25 podcasts. Our list of our different platforms you may listen to or download our podcast. Our latest YouTube videos for all our shows on the Millennium Beat Network. A calendar with past and future guests for all the Millennium Beat Network shows. Also, there's pages with pictures of all our guests and hosts. You have any questions or comments, please contact us at info at themillenniumbeat.com. This has been a Millennium Beat production, copyright 2021. The guests' views and opinions may not always be the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. Most any teacher will tell you that a good demonstration will increase the effectiveness of any lesson. Several years ago, my son Alex and I got into my car intending to travel to the next city north, but as I turned the key, I realized that the battery was dead. Knowing that this car had sat for quite some time without being started, I assumed that the battery just needed a little charge. So we gave it a jump from my wife's car and headed off to the highway. As we traveled, I began to explain to Alex how a manual transmission automobile, such as mine, could be tested to see if it would start while in motion. You simply put it in neutral, turn it off, and then try to start it again, I explained. If it doesn't start, you just put it in a lower gear, slowly let out the clutch, and it will start again that way. Well, Alex couldn't seem to grasp what I was trying to teach him, so I said, Here, I'll show you. I turned the car off while still moving down the left lane of the highway and said, Now, watch. But as I fumbled with the ignition, I realized that the steering wheel had locked. And as hard as I tried, I could not get it in the right position to release the key switch. Drifting from the left lane into the right, Alex nervously asked, Is it supposed to work like this, Daddy? Sometimes in life, even our best attempts to teach our children just seem to go wrong. And parents often feel as though they can admit no error on their part whatsoever. But in reality, a child needs to see his parents' response to a mistake. Covering it up or just acting like it didn't happen will only teach your child to do the same. 2 Chronicles 8.21 says, Be honest, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. 
That includes your children. Owning up to a mistake or a poor judgment can be a great demonstration in teaching your children how to handle their mistakes. Sitting on the side of the road, I said, Alex, that was a big mistake, and I apologize for scaring you, Alex. And he said, that's okay, Daddy. I forgive you. Now, I was embarrassed by my mistake, but proud of my successful lesson in honesty until he asked, Dad, are we going to tell Mom about this? That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.